Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So Jake, today we're talking about CRM systems. Our guest Sunny is joining us from, well, you're in the pub. (laughs) (laughs) Is is it nerves? Yeah, Uh, yeah, just to study the nerves. I mean, it's a big deal, isn't it? Coming on to the IA podcast. Yeah, Um, we thought you might be nervous, gone for a a few pre-drinks just to loosen up. Yeah. (laughs) IA podcast morning, a couple of drinks and then then head to work afterwards. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) It's evening for you guys. So no no Negronis here. Yeah. Well, just to explain, because it was kind of funny, (laughs) Sonny, um, this is all planned, obviously, and Sonny turned up to his work where he sort of contracts and... uh, it's all locked. Yeah. So maybe to- <laughs> maybe they don't want you to work there anymore, Sonny. You know, like when, <laughs> yeah. when when a girl breaks up with you and she just wants to change the locks on the door and you turn up and you're like, oh, I guess it's over. <laughs> well, I've never had anything that drastic in a relationship, David, but I think after afterwards you'll probably have to explain a bit more to yeah. me if you need to. Uh, if you, need to, if you, to <laughs> you haven't lived to have been locked out of your own house. No. Yeah. So if you're eventually <laughs> watching this on YouTube or uh, whatever, the, the audio and video is as good as we can get it from. Yes. You're at the Premier Inn hotel at sitting at the bar uh no in the breakfast in the, oh, um, in the breakfast oh, lobby m- or restaurant much more so, civilized, yeah, right, much more civilized. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> fair enough um definitely. now obviously because we're time limited because you've got to get to work let's just introduce you sunny and then we'll talk about um the topic of the day which is an interesting one yeah i don't and uh, to preface this i don't think any of us no. are experts at crm systems so you know today is more of a three-way chat amongst colleagues of various backgrounds but i don't think any of us can profess to say we are experts at crm systems no. but sunny tell us all about you your background what you normally do how you became an aesthetician or an injector whatever you want to call yourself and then we'll get into the meat of the topic good no, any of the books so um yeah hi I'm dr sunny desi i'm a gp by background um and i am now an aesthetic doctor but my focus has definitely shifted over the past couple of years to women's health skin health and wellness um so incorporating all that aesthetics knowledge I've accumulated over the past few years and then combining it with what i know as a nhs doctor and then working as a private doctor as well so i think the closest that i'm evolving into and i and i really picked it up from the ia podcast was functional medicine mm-hmm. i think that's where that's where my practice is heading so um functional medicine yeah is right. where we're at but it's it's a difficult journey. I think a lot of people listening, I mean, I'm an IA patron, Patreon, I don't know what you call us, <laughs> patron, uh, mentees yeah. or followers. Um, but it, it, I think aesthetics is constantly evolving. And for those of us who have different backgrounds, 
we're trying to find our place and not just be an injector. Um, you know, we were trying to bring all our skills in. So, um, yeah, I was in the army for 16 years. I had a, I think it must have been on deployment sometime in Afghanistan when I thought I'd really like to do something different. Um, n- nothing about the stress of being on deployment. I wanted to run my own business and uh, it was either go down occupational health or do aesthetics. And I was I already had an interest in dermatology and skin. So here I am doing a podcast with you yeah after um, that's awesome after after that and um so how long have you been injecting for because we met um things like a year or two ago you and your colleague viv were doing some instagram lives on ultrasound and ultrasound, you know you got some yeah. big people on there and and you kindly asked me to come on i, I don't know why because i'm new to <laughs> ultrasound or i was new at the time but um yeah that's how i met you guys and then we've become friendly through the podcast and, and our patreon sort of program so yeah how, like how long have you been injecting for so I, I think I did my first weekend, the usual one day foundation course in 2016. So since 2016, I've been injecting and I, and I think I've traveled the, the stereotypical route of every injector where you plow so much time into doing hands-on training. Um, you start building up a, you know, a great patient list. And then, you know, after a couple of years, you think, oh, I'll set up my own practice, find my own space. And then uh, a few years later, you're running a business and um, suddenly you need guidance um, <laughs> and it's, you think you're alone, but uh, without, without flattering you, you guys too much, um, people come along like yourself running the IA podcast, giving out a lot of guided information. And even for me as a, I would say a fairly seasoned and now cynical um, <laughs> aesthetic practitioner, um, I still feel like I'm a newbie. So when I listen in, you know, you're always learning new information. So well, firstly, thanks for, you know, having the podcast. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thank That's much. really nice. And I actually guess that's a great <laughs> introduction to this topic because you, you've pretty much set the scene because most injectors, including me and, and David, sort of stumbled his way through over the last 20 years. You sort of start this thing and then you realize at some point that, shit, am I doing this right? And and have I chosen the right systems and processes and software and, and products? And, and am I doing the right thing? And today we're talking about CRM systems, which is customer relationship management. So basically clinical software. And the reason we asked you, Sonny, was because our recent podcast with Dr. Ascari Townshend and you know his system columns, I know that you were using columns and then suddenly he had his issue with finance, and we were talking on our Patreon group, where you said, oh, has anyone got a, a good solution or, or something different? And we all sort of scratched our head and went, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of okay. I'm not, I'm not super happy, but I think I'm doing okay. So is, yeah. that, is that a good intro? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think it's, it's almost like the, the forgotten element when people are looking to start a business. Everyone's very focused on clinical application and getting patients through the door and finding the right premises and stuff. And, and the CRM system, a lot of the time is like an afterthought mm. or something that doesn't get the attention that it needs. And then I guess to further amplify the problem, a lot of the systems that have, that have been used historically weren't designed for this application. I mean, if you look at sort of, you know, you guys coming from like hospital or GP land, that the software systems that cater specifically for those types of occupations, but when you're moving into this hybrid between clinical applications plus the business side of things, especially if you're looking to do something from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's where a lot of people struggle, but then we'll get into it, Mm. is that there's different elements. You need the clinical 
components, which allows you to chart correctly, be compliant with all the regulations and guidelines. And then from a business perspective, for someone like me that's wanting to look at this this data, I want to be able to drill down and look at, you know, what's your return rate? What's your average spend? Um, being able to splice and dice your database to have a look at different segments and how you can market to people in different ways who perhaps haven't done certain types of treatments or haven't mm. seen you in a period of time. So I think it's it's sort of like we've reached this crossroads where everyone's trying to come up with the right solution, but no one seems to have it just yet. Yeah. Now, Sunny, if I can ask you, because this is such an obvious question, but there'll be listeners out there who I guarantee you are still using paper and pen for their notes. <laughs> so why do clinics or injectors need a CRM system? Like, Tell us from your own experience. So, so firstly, if I think the very language that David is using, um, return on investment, uh, finance, reports, there's there's a tiny percentage of me that just slightly switched off when you're, <laughs> when you're talking about it. And obviously that, that tiny little bit of me has taken a beating in the corner of my mind and said, you've got to listen to David because this is the stuff that is the lifeblood of your business. Going back to what you were saying, um, we come, as you said, we come from the NHS or we come from a health background. And even if you're in a private medical background, you know, you go into work, you see your patients, you think as a educated individual, you know, we've got countless letters after our names and well, not so many, but, um, you know, degrees and so on. And you think I'm educated in this. I know what I'm doing, but you know, this has taken, I think it's taken me two years of just personal development of really just understanding 10% of Dave, what David was just saying. And that, and that, that learning process is continual. Why do we need a customer relation management? A little, a little bit of honesty. I had to Google CRM again, like yeah. what does CRM stand for? Because that's how bad it gets with trying to focus your attentions as a clinician, as a business person, and then um, as a manager as well. And I think if you, I'm sure you guys have read the EMIS, um, it's that constant dilemma between the technician, which is what we are in clinic, um, the manager, and then the entrepreneur. So why do you need a CRM? I think it's to bring those three elements together. When you're in when you're in practice, like you need to be a good technician, so you need to be able to record notes and document. You need to be a, a good manager, and unless you've hired someone in who does it for you, you know that. Well, in this day and age, we know that there's the technical know-how, there's the there's a digital application, there's the technology that's there. Like, okay, I get it. I need something that will help me yeah. manage everything. And then as an entrepreneur, you're like, well, I need to know the figures. I want to know what my you know what my strategy is going to be, my vision. So you get attracted to um, this kind of not not quite understandable thing that's out there, this digital CRM, and you think, I need to sign up to it, I need to start using it. And um, a, a little story, which I'm sure always resonates with um, listeners, is that, you know, why did I choose my first CRM? Well, I went to an awards show, and they won an award. So I signed up to them. I thought, hey, these guys have won an award. Um, they must be doing something really well. Um, it's only the cynic, the, the old bit of me now, a few years later, realizes that in sometimes when people win awards in aesthetics, they may have influenced how they got that award. Perhaps. Anyway, I'm not, I'm just speculating there. But, uh, I'm the fact that you've got very of, uh, cynical of these awards. Yeah. Um, a, a friend reached out recently and said, hey, he's in the UK, you know, will you vote for me? Yeah. And I was like, sure, I can do that. But I was like, isn't this so stupid? Yeah. Like you're basically just going out to your email database and your WhatsApp group saying, vote for me. And then you get on stage and you pick up a trophy and you go, yay, yeah. I won an award. And you're like, 
Yeah, because you you marketed the most. It's not because you that you you didn't deserve it. And I think that's you nailed it there with the word marketing. Like a lot of the stuff that we buy in aesthetics as practitioners is basically due to amazing and brilliant marketing. And the only thing is, is over time you realise that oh my god, that's the that's what I that's the model that I need to copy and whether it's perpetuating. But so I, my first software was chosen. Um, David, I know you're cringing because I, I know you gave me the questions that I should be asking when you're choosing a CRM. Um, but I chose it on marketing. I chose yeah. it on they've won an award. Yeah. Um, there's a few other clinics that are using it. But I think the first dilemma in a in using a CRM is that we're not trained to use it and we just use it to record notes. Yeah. Like that that is literally all we do. And because we work such intensive long hours as practitioners, you know, I, look, I, I don't think it's... Um, wrong to say most of us probably do 12 hours in clinic give or take there's gaps mm. in between yeah but all you're doing is recording notes at the end of the day are you really going to go away and start looking at running reports and so on no you want to take some downtime so that's the first dilemma yeah um i think that's the very first issue we just use it to record notes yeah and it's not that's not the way to use a crm yeah well it's it's the very most basic function it It'd just be like I'm trying to think of an analogy, but like having a car and only using like one indicator or something. You know, it's like it, it's like you know, it's a very it's the very most basic function. And I think you sort of highlighted a problem, Sonny, or the challenge that you clinicians face is that you're in your business, you're in there seeing patients, you know, hour after hour, and by the end of the day or the weekend comes, you you're probably brain fried. You want to spend time with your family. Maybe you've got some hobbies outside of work. Hopefully you do. And um, the thought of being able to step back and have a look at your business from a thousand foot up in the air is something that's completely foreign. And, you know, Jake and I were just talking before about division of tasks and, you know, I've got ADHD issues and sometimes I find, well, not sometimes, often I find it very hard to focus on things. So I, I can empathize with what you're saying. And we tend to gravitate to what feels natural and comfortable for us. Mm. So for you guys as clinicians, you gravitate towards patient care and clinical application. Someone like me gravitates more, more toward the business side of things. And we, we tend to sort of put ourselves in, in those sort of little corners and it's hard to find your way out of them. Yeah. I mean, sort of to add on what Sonny was saying about how he chose his CRM, I think it's a very common question. We see it even within our IA Patreon chats, but you go on any Facebook forum with injectors, you'll very frequently see probably a newer injector say, oh, hey, uh, what, what CRM do you use and, and, and is it good? Yeah, and, that, and that's the sort of the limit of of the thought that yeah. went into should I do it? Yeah, and if you see ten people say, "Oh yeah, use this one," they they might yeah. be influenced to use yeah. it because that's as much that's exactly. as far as that they've thought. Yeah, and and I think also the problem can be that you you pick a software system and by the time you figure out that it's not for you, you're too busy to deal with the problem. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I it's mean, al it, it's almost like yeah. it needs to be part of the initial planning process. You know, where you're going to open up your clinic, who you're going to hire, what's your clinic going to look like, your website. CRM system and that needs to be a project all unto itself because when the wheels are turning at you know at full at full pelt yeah it's very difficult to try and you know because the thought of like your system's crap and then you've got to change it to something else yes yeah, you know hard. extracting all that data and learning how to use it and getting your staff learning how to use it it's it's <laughs> it becomes too hard basket and then just you sort of just push it to the back of your mind and just sort of manage yeah and I think that's where a lot of people find themselves would yeah. you agree oh 100% yeah. I say yeah. all the time in fact won't name any names. I, I know clinics who do that and have said to me, I know it's not great, but it's just too hard to change. So we're just going to well, carry on using this. One. I mean, perfect example. I mean, I mean, when I was just talking to Jake offline before around the business I used to work for, Laser Clinics Australia, who uh, market leader in Australia will definitely buy size and number of patients that they treat. 
they still, well, when I was there, I don't know if it's changed recently, they still used paper, paper forms. I didn't have a fully digitized environment. Wow. And so for even a market leader like that, with all the hundreds and thousands of patients that would have, the prospect of changing CRM systems or moving to a paperless environment was a project that they, even as that sized corporation, didn't want to deal with. Yeah, 150 clinics. Yeah, at least. And, yeah. and, and multiple more internationally now. Correct. And so you, no one's alone here. This is not a criticism. This is very common. And if the biggest players in the market are struggling with it, yeah. then you guys are well entitled to be struggling with it as well. Yeah. So, Sonny, if we can use you as like the the example, the guinea pig of, <laughs> of an injector, because you told yeah. us that you, you got influenced. Um, did you, or, or, or maybe I'm answering the question here, but did you think about your patient flow, the patient journey, what forms you might need? Did, did, you, did you understand what your clinic might look like before you committed to it? Because I think that's what people aren't answering before they commit to a system. Well, what was so, your experience? So I, I knew numbers. So I knew that I had probably 500, at least 500 patients that would be transferred um, onto it, like an email list, basically. Yeah. So I had, I, had, I had an idea of numbers. And so then I was like, okay, so if I have a CRM, it's scalable. Like if I, then I have more patients, then there'll be extra functions that I can get in there. So patient numbers I knew. Forms is the one that everyone gets fixated on. I mean, the number of times on the initial chat on IA um, in the WhatsApp groups, which are absolutely brilliant, um, I might add. Um, I don't know how Jake manages to <laughs> oversee all of them, but um, whatever he's taking. Needs um, I was just, he's, he's not Cheeto. He's not human. He's not human. I'm convinced that one day we'll find out that he's, he's a cyborg, Sonny. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, have a, I have a funny feeling. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. godlike powers. Yeah. Um, so forms what everyone gets obsessed about consent forms and it's the consent forms that you get fixated on and, it, and then that's where you travel down this rabbit hole when you're first taking on that crm i need to get all my forms done i need to get all my um patient details in and you kind of get fixated on the clinical element of it so the other questions which is um what's the back end of the crm looking mm. like you don't give it any thought so it was it's only when someone asks the questions or you're, you're thinking, actually, how many Botox patients do I have? Mm -hmm. how, many, how, many, um, how many fillers patients have I seen? How do I run a report? So you, you go into the back end and you, like, you find reports and you click on it and it goes 404 error or page not found or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's where the dilemma, that's where the, the problems begin. And that's where you guys said it already is where you're like, oh, I can't be bothered now. I'll just, I'll just carry on using it and I, I can't transfer. Mm. So just to, just to add very quickly, I, um, Columns is not the first CRM that I used. Um, it was another one and I don't know whether to name it or not, but um, go for but, it. Yeah, yeah. It's name it, name it. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 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 so clinic software um, is the, is the first one that I signed up to. Okay. And to be honest, like it's, you know, a lot of people use it in the UK and I think abroad, um, abroad as well. But it's the back end. And unless you have upgraded to their next level, suddenly when you're trying to run reports, because you have, you know, someone like David says, you know, when was the last time you ran a report? How many Botox patients you had? Or, you know, what was your return on investment on your fillers? You're like, okay, I'll run a report. And suddenly the module's not working. And then you contact them, but you can't ring them. So you, you have to fill out a ticket and you're like, oh God, I, I have to fill out. What the hell is a ticket? You know, the last time I got a ticket was when I went to the deli counter and I wanted to buy some um, luncheon or something. And it shows how, I, how old I am. But, and that's where you get stuck in the mud and then suddenly you're back to, you know, 
just recording notes. And, yeah. and I think it's like that perpetual cycle. And it's that first CRM, unless you fully know what you're buying into and what level you're buying into, um, those questions aren't answered at the beginning. And I think hopefully this podcast, it, when people are listening back to it, starts to build a picture of, yeah. um, actually, these are the questions I need to ask. You know, we spend more time planning holidays that we do actually choosing a CRM, I think. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you went to the award show and, and you saw that they'd won an award for something or other, yeah. being really good at marketing. And so <laughs> what were the steps that you went through in terms of making the, the decision? Was it just okay. the fact they won the award or was it there was some sort of process that you went through to satisfy your own curiosities and requirements? So very, very basic, very basic process. Obviously they won an award. I spoke to them. The sales team for They're CRMs great. are absolutely always brilliant. Software sales is where if you want to learn how to do sales, software sales where you can promise the world um, whether they deliver it or not is another question. Yeah. So the sales, the sales talk was slick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, you know, we'll get you signed up. We'll do the, you know, cause then you was going from paper to um, digital. It was easier for them because they were like, well, you know, we're not going to upload all your paper forms. So that was ticking the box for them. And it's ticking the box for me. It was like, I can start afresh. They said, Oh, we'll do all your consent forms. We've got, we've got hundreds, thousands of already pre-done consent forms. I was like, tick. I don't have to worry about doing consent forms. The quality of the consent forms from an IT provider, I will question now, mm. um, now that I'm much more wiser, but that was a tick in the box then. Um, they were like, oh, we can connect it to your um, accounting software, potentially. Mm. Um, you can take point of sales, like you don't have to worry about a, a sales terminal. Um, mm. Point of sales, as in, you know, like your cash, whatever people use, yep. some of yep. you know, yep. all of the good mm-hmm. terminals out there um and and then just documenting and then they were like yeah you can run reports and i think at that newbie stage of taking on a crm that that was everything that was like okay that's brilliant because you know that's like from going stone age to iron age basically mm-hmm. so yeah that, that was all i looked at initially that's all yeah. i looked at initially yeah i mean we've touched on it twice now the the patient journey i mean for, for someone listening to this who's just started who thinks well what do you mean i get a patient on the seat and i do their botox and i take some money what do you mean yeah. the journey so what what is your patient journey because it might be different to mine and it might be different in in the states i don't know so what is your typical journey and and i, I guess then we can so, get into what does the crm have to fulfill to to deliver that so i first learned about patient journey through a coaching group called aesthetic entrepreneurs oh, you know, that R- was the first time that i really that's the first time i you know richard shout out to rick and, and richard, richard. yes yeah. yeah so it's the first time i started understanding that a patient comes into clinic they um they have their treatment they go away and then they might come they they come back again you want them to come back so what does that journey look like for them what are all the touch points and um for me when I first started out, it was that. It was like, I do their Botox. They'll hopefully come back in three months and I'll do their Botox again. And as I evolved, it was like, well, hang on a second. Um, I like to educate my patients. So I want to educate them about skincare. And um, so I want to upsell, basically. We're a business. So where do I put that in? Where is that in the patient journey? That was something I learned later on. Um, elements of medical education, like you know what's going on in the industry. All, all the touch points that, I, that I've learned a part of the patient journey you know that is the patient journey and then now for me it's very focused on women's health so i want to educate my patients along there we, we do newsletters we do emails uh, when they come in they know that they're having more of a medical assessment alongside their injectables. so for me now the patient journey 
is a marrying up of medicine, like what they would get maybe in a private GP and an aesthetic practitioner. But when I first started out, those were not the questions I asked for my CRM. Like I didn't ask if I, how can I send emails from the CRM? You know, the sales team said I could, but when it turned out, it was like I had to sign up to another module or another platform to interlink it. So hang on, that's another, that's more money. Um, SMS messages, that's yeah. more money. Yeah. Um, it's like buying a car. Oh, you want air conditioning? <laughs> you want a steering wheel? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, what I think for those who are um, more more along in, the, in their own practitioner's journey and those who are newbie, it's those questions you need to start asking. I didn't ask them in the beginning. Yeah. It's only over time as I learned that I started asking those questions. So honestly, hand on heart, I didn't ask the right questions okay. at the beginning. So may- maybe we distill this part of the conversation down into what would, mm. you know, in retrospect, and we can all sort of put our two, two cents in worth, what should you be doing at the beginning? So you, you started with the patient journey, which I think is, is a great place to start. So putting yourself in the patient position, even if it's, just, you know, something as simple as getting a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and mapping out the journey from the time they find you on Google or Instagram, or they look you up because someone, one of their friends told them about you. How do you want that patient to interact with your brand and your business from making a booking online to what happens between when they book online to visiting your clinic? Are they going to get sent like confirmation messages? Are they going to get sent anything preemptively like consent forms or before and after care? Like everyone's got a different method. Are you going to give them instructions on how to find your clinic? Any hints and tips? coming into your clinic what's it going to happen what's going to happen when they come into the clinic what's going to happen well hopefully you guys know what you're doing once (laughs) once they're in the treatment room but when they leave what happens after that are you going to rebook them are you going to allow them to rebook themselves what do you want sent to them post-treatment how are you going to communicate between that treatment and when they come in to hopefully see you next and sort of mapping out each part of that journey and I think it's good to sort of put yourself in the patient position Mm. Talk to your friends and family if you've got any patients that are part of your inner circle. You've all got them. I'm, I'm supposing the, those those patients that almost become your friends that are almost part of your business. They become so invested in you and your mm. and what you're doing. You can probably ask them anything, and they'll give you an honest opinion, almost like a little focus group, and map out what that journey should look like. Yeah, and that gives you at least a starting. It doesn't mean it has to be com- absolutely complete or that it can't change, but at having a starting point to work out what that patient journey should look like. Yeah. I think will be a great place to start. Over to you, Jake. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I actually did that exactly with a pen and paper over COVID. When we went into lockdown, is I mean, it's a great opportunity to rewrite your website and, and do all yeah. that stuff that basically gets pushed to the side because you never got time. And, yeah. you know, we had to sort of work out, well, how are we going to like get all these COVID vaccination yeah. uh, proofs to, to our clinic and, and so on. So we sort of have to go through our processes and work out, well, what can we automate rather than having to manually email every single patient? So I agree, but I, I, I guess to play devil's advocate here, and I, d- I don't know if you can reflect on this, Sonny, I think most new injectors, yeah. whilst all that is great and, and that's sort of the gold standard of the injector you want to be or the clinic you want to be, their main focus is how the hell am I even going to find people who want me to put Botox in their face, let alone run my, you know, interrogating my yep. data. Yep. And I, I think that's probably 
the main reason why people don't do it. They, 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 it just seems too far off from a business perspective. It just seems like, well, I'll do that in two or three years' time once I'm up and running, mm-hmm. and, and I'll change my system. But right yeah. now, pen and paper, and I'll just draw yeah. some Botox units on a little scribbled face and, and hope for the best. Well, yeah. I, I'm sorry to interject and cut you off, Sonny, before you jump in. Uh, I, think, I think you're right but I think we need to be thinking a few moves ahead. And that's mm. always the most successful people in business are the ones that can think one, two, three, four moves ahead. Yeah. And you're not going to start a business with the vision of just being mediocre or not successful. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? So you're starting the business because you've got plans and dreams and aspirations to be successful. And so if that's your assumptive starting point, then planning for success and what that patient load's going to look like and what you want your business to do for you and, and that vehicle in life that's taking, to, taking you to where you and your family want to go should be the premise of where you start. Listen to that again, guys, because <laughs> I, I really do think that most injectors go, well, as long as I'm putting stuff in a face, I'm successful. And it's way more than that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean I've spoken to lots of injectors, some that have worked for me over the years, and they can be the greatest clinicians in the world but they don't have a clue about the commercial side of their business. And some, some of them make good money initially. They sort of don't know how to sustain their businesses. They've got disorganization issues. I mean, mm. I've got disorganization issues as well. But I think, yeah, you need to, you need to plan for success. And that this, this first step is critical in, in helping you understand what you're going to want out of your software system. So when you turn up at an awards night and you're being wowed with (laughs) some piece of software, you've got an idea about what you want out of that, that investment. Because, I mean, and these systems aren't cheap either. And this is another problem we'll get to as well, is that people want to pay peanuts for a system that does everything for them. When you think about how many hours go into the back end of creating a piece of software like this, it's monumentally expensive. And if you want a reminder, go back and listen to the episode we did with, with, with Ascari. Yeah. Um, very expensive, very time consuming. And so, you know, just like people went to medical school or went to nursing school to, to learn their craft, yeah. people that have had to develop this software have had to pay a lot for that education as well. Yeah. So, Sonny, so you... you Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got a guest here. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, Sonny. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, you started with one system, Clinic Software, I think you called it? or Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you moved to Columns, which is another one that, if you haven't heard, is it's, a, 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 well, built in the UK, but now there's clinics all around the world using it. Um, why did uh, you yeah. change? And, and what was then your issue with Columns? So, one thing I, I would say to anyone listening now is that if you if you just pause and do get pen and paper and just wrote, write down what David and Jake just said, because this is a classic of listening to a podcast. Is you, <laughs> you're so intensely engrossed in it right now when you're listening, but I find this as well. So if you're driving, obviously don't do this, but you know, just make a mental note or you know, just, just record down exactly these points. Because I, I find this when listening to the IA podcast is that you know, try, and, try and recap and listen to it because those key points are really valuable. But I wanted to um, focus on a couple of things you said. So um, to answer the question, firstly, I switched because clinic software felt like it was a bit more of a shop front. Like it, it did everything that I wanted as a clinician, but whenever I wanted to focus on the elements of, um, when I wanted to focus on the elements of the back end, um, the reports and things like it wasn't really working. It was too complicated. Yeah, and it, exactly. it's like someone, a software designer has designed it rather than a practitioner, mm. which is what attracted me to columns. 
So with Columns, um, and I will say Columns is an excellent piece of software, and it's definitely you know there was there was no there was no problems with it at all. Um, but it's very much focused again on what you need to, as a as a practitioner at the time, what you meant to you know when you were writing down your notes, what you're doing day to day. But what hasn't been developed so much probably is the back end, which I knew Ascari was doing. Um, so I really changed because I was trying to simplify it. I was trying to simplify my life. And it goes back to the patient journey in in conjunction with the practitioner's journey. Mm. Like all the stuff that you said, we want it automated. And that's why you sign up to a CRM, yeah. right? You sign up to a CRM because you want all those elements automated. So you're not having to worry about it. Like the reminders are going to go out. The um, post-care is going to go out. Like, you know, you can click on a a timeline and you can see all that stuff's been sent out that's the kind of thing you want from crm and i think that's what um most crm sort of promise but what yeah. they don't explain is it's you're going to have to do that patient journey yeah. you're going to have to put the little tabs in and yeah. create the elements no crm is ever ever you're going to sign up to it and they're going to do all that for yeah. you it's just not, not yeah. there um so does that answer the question yeah yeah I went off on and, and and maybe um so I'm liking the sound of my voice in this podcast a bit, Jake. Sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, <all right. laughs> um, so I think you've raised a good point, Sonny. You know, the, the slick salesman telling you, you know, promising you the world and handing you an atlas kind of scenario. And this is where I think the process of due diligence is really important. So we're lucky we've built this amazing community of, you know, hundreds of people now around the world who all share ideas. And I think it's, it's, it's a great concept and it's working really well. But if you've got a, a salesman that's telling you how great your software, their software system is, then just like if someone was going to come to you for a job, you're going to call their references. You should be asking these software companies, yeah. give me the names and numbers of three or four clients that are really happy with your system that have been using it for a few years. Reach out to those people. Maybe you need to see if they're happy to come and host you at their clinic for a period of time, whether it be half a day, a day, and sit there and ask them to take you through the software system. What do they like about it? What do they not like about it? Get them to take you through the process of the patient journey. Mm. You know, if, if they're worried about, don't, maybe don't do it in your suburb if people are worried about you stealing intellectual property or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, maybe you need to travel a little, a little ways away to get someone that's comfortable. But I think this is part of the, of the research is go and spend some time with someone that's using the software system that you're looking at and see how it's being used in someone else's business and seeing, getting real feedback from them. Because they can tell you they've got all these hundreds and thousands of happy patient, happy customers. Mm. But I think, what do you think about? I was going to say, in real life, that clinic's going to say, "Fuck off! I've got better things to do than than host uh, Sunny." To, uh, <laughs> to I, be completely honest, I think, yeah, I, I think I, I think there's a lot of there's a, we do get competitive, and I think things are changing because the communities are building up. Yeah, and it's like sharing information. Free information is better than no information. Yeah, but I mean, only three years ago, I mean. Only three years ago, people were happy to host, I think. Or maybe four or five years ago, people were like, oh, yeah, come around, it's fine. Now, you know, then two years later, it was like, oh, it will cost you 300 pounds to come and shadow me in clinic. Mm. And now people are like, you know, it's a thousand pounds. And it, and it's because of, I don't know whether it's a mindset shift, mm. um, but I think Jake's right. Most, and that, that, when you, you raised it in the group, um, in the WhatsApp group, yeah. David, when you said it, and that immediately got my back up a little bit because like <laughs> no one no one does that and is that is that because um i'm becoming more business minded i don't like the sound of it but you know 
um, why would I do something that's going to benefit you? What's in it for me sort of thing? Oh, well, I mean, um, I, and that spirit yeah. of community is also, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've done it before. I've had people that have allowed me to come into their business and, and, and check things out. Maybe it's the way that you ask and maybe what tends to happen is if, if a software company or any company really has a good relationship with one of their, their customers, They'll say, look, can I use you as a reference? Maybe they'll put a sweetener on the deal. They'll give you a discount on your Correct. on your subscription yeah. or something along those lines. So obviously there has to be something in it for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason the community works because we're all open and sharing. But, you know, absent of that, mm. then it's just about being creative. And if this company can't provide you with that and you don't have the ability, because this is a problem, right, is that you say you're going to buy this software system and it's going to do all these wonderful things and then you get it in your sit in your in your business and it's kind of almost too late. You, you sort of, you've already, the horse has bolted. What are you going to do? So mm -hmm. I'd be pressing these companies to say, hey, look, this is my concern. I've been burnt with software companies before. I don't know what I'm buying until I've actually seen it working. If you want me to buy your software system, you're going to need to convince one of your clients, I don't care how you do it, well, you want, you want, I want to be able to see how this thing works on the ground and actually spend some time seeing how it works because you, it, you know, a 20-minute demo is not going to cut it. Yeah, you almost want that successful clinic to act as an ambassador yes. or even a KOL or whatever you want to Correct. call it. Yep. And they get paid to do that because yep. they can show it's actually working. It's not bullshit. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what are you using now then, Sonny? Because you've, you know, the columns thing was so, quite recent. Yeah. So the columns, obviously, you know, I, I will take my hat off to Skari for, you know, sharing what his journey is. And he's always very open and, you know, um, shout out to him to, for, for being a you know standing by his software but the only thing for me is that because as i want to develop more of my medical side of the things i need software that and this is where i'm now asking questions like i need i need software that will allow me to do prescriptions will allow me to um integrate with external pharmacies you know now i know the questions to ask because i have a better vision or a clearer vision of what i want from my business but God, that's taken me like six years mm. to get to even this stage. And even now I'm like, the vision isn't clear enough. I need to refine even further. So now I'm switching over to Pabu 2. Mm -hmm. um, if Pabu are listening to this podcast. They do, by the way. So um, be careful what you say. We know they listen. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're going to spit in my software, basically, if, I don't, um, if, that's, even, if that's even digitally possible. Um, yeah, they, they have up their game. I will say that, again, you know, I understand that onboarding can be a bit slower but, you know, the hiccups that we're experiencing now is we've got to do a data transfer. Mm -hmm. It takes time to do a data transfer. And what do you do in between? So in between our seven to 10 day data transfer window, we've actually got, we've been booking patients in mm. on the old system. So these are, these are all little things that um, are part of the process that you need to, when you're transferring software systems, you need to know, um, you know, who owns your data, you own your data. So you need to make sure it's there. And one of the things of those of us who've got software systems, you know, what is your business continuity plan when your software system fails? Have you got your software backed up on local servers? I mean, that's not something we have at the moment. We would we would default to pen and paper, but there are, there are technological solutions out there, but you only realize them over time when the problems present. So we're now switching over to Pabu and, you know, I haven't used it yet because we're still onboarding mm. seven days, 10 days later. Yeah, I have to say, I don't know too much about Pabu 2. I, I've, I've sort of looked at Pabu 1 and I think you've yeah. uh, sort of played around with it in the past. But I guess superficially, you look at any of these systems and they all have similar stuff, right? You can take notes, you can draw diagrams, you can upload a photo, they, they send out some forms. So 
What 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 specifically about that one has has attracted you? So I did what I did I did what David has said this time. So I asked for references. So I, I went to people who've been already using it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pabu have a Facebook group, and I think there's an external group that's set up Pabu users, and there's a community there. So basically, there's plenty of criticisms about Pabu in there about where the software is not working. So there's there's references there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my colleagues is a very accomplished practitioner up in um, Cheshire. Um, she already uses Pabu. She uses it efficiently. Again, she has her own problems because she doesn't. She she's actually hired a VA to now work on Pabu, her back end, so she can um, get all that reporting and that business kind of stuff going um, and refine her patient journey, basically. Um, so I did all the, this is all the due diligence. So the interface is great. Um, the back end is better, but the add-on bits like, you know, classifying um, conditions that patients might have. So if, you know, the, the stage or questions like, oh, my patient's got rheumatoid arthritis or arthritis, you know, we're, we're a regulated clinic now. So we need to be able to say, CQC aren't really interested in aesthetics, but they may be interested in if I'm prescribing something. They will hang on, you prescribe this for a person with a chronic disease. Right. Can you tell me, can you show me all of your patients who've got chronic diseases on a list? Oh yeah, let me just uh, go to the drawer and I'll get out the pen and paper that I used earlier <laughs> because I don't know how to use up my software. Interesting, and that's actually a good point as well. Like it depends on your location, your regulations, what what the expectations are, and and here in Australia, well, it just came in the news yesterday again. Um, our regulator, it's ACCC, I think it was. Was it ACCC? Well, no, it's APRA again are now going to turn the focus on to non-surgical treatments. Yeah. So APRA are like our GMC. And uh, over the last year, there's been this well, it's sort of a cyclical thing where they keep on looking at industry. But this time they were looking mainly at surgeons, cosmetic surgeons and plastic surgeons. But we sort of sort of got swept up as part of the cosmetic, I guess, providers. And then next year they're going to sort of, well, look at us again with a microscope. Mm-hmm. And so there's certain things even from 1st of July that we have to do. And my current issue with my system, which is called Timely, is that there are just certain basic things that I can't do easily. I can't um, provide a patient a copy of their consent form easily. I, I, I might be able to do a screenshot or, or sort of navigate around the problem, but I can't just download it and send it to them. It's just, it's in the too hard basket because the system won't allow me to do it. Mm. So I've been negotiating, well, not negotiating, speaking to Timely to say, hey, your system, whilst it wasn't designed for injectors, is used by lots of injectors, thousands probably, and it's kind of not fit for purpose. It's not allowing us to do our job, uh, legally anyway. So, I mean, what were your... What your what were your experiences when you actually spoke to the provider, like Ascari or the previous one, or maybe even Pabao? Have you actually engaged with them and said, "Hey, this is kind of fine, but it's not quite what I need"? And can you develop it? Um, so I think that's a dilemma that every injector has. Do you have the time to engage? Like, if you're, you know, it's it's the five minutes in between clinic where you, you draft an email and then you don't even send it. So <laughs> with columns, um, so. Um, so with Columns, uh, Ascari was was very, you know, he was there. His team was there all the time. And they had an, they had a really nice interface where you could drop a message and someone would answer within an hour. So that was very good. Um, with Clinic software, it was, you know, writing a ticket and they would respond to you within 24 hours. They did have a, they did have a number that was urgent. But I think, I think the problem is 
David and Jake, for for all of us at our different stages, is that we don't know what we want. Mm. Like, unless you have a clear idea of the vision of your business, you have a clear idea of your patient journey, you have a clear idea of your own journey, you like, you don't know what you want until the problem's there. And then with aesthetics, I found, and I think I'm pretty average when it comes to where I am in terms of my, my, my journey, is that um, sometimes I don't know what I want. When the problem presents, I don't have time to tackle it. I, I don't give it that brain function or the bandwidth, whatever you want to call it, go digital. And then we complain about it. Mm. So we'll go on a group and we'll say, oh, my software's shit. Because, and then someone like Dave will say, but hang on, did you not, did you not ask them? Have you not engaged with them? Have you written an email? And then, oh, but if I write an email, they'll spit in my software or, you know, I'll, I'll turn up tomorrow and it won't be ready. And they'll be like, and that, and, you know, I think, I mean, I'm going to be very open now because I think people are listening and I, and I, and I want to add value to when I'm, when I'm talking is that we live in fear a lot of the time, a lot of anxiety in um, practicing. And I think that anxiety extends into how, not where we deliver for patient care because patient safety is all, you know, and delivery. But when it comes to the business side of it, the anxiety sets in and you know you don't send that email because you're worried about oh, what will they say and they're not going to do anything about it so i'll just carry on just recording notes and pictures and doing my little dots on the face and that's fine so that's an honest answer yeah mm. yeah what do you think david it's tricky isn't it because it's it's sort of like you're, you're very much outside of your comfort zone and by the time you yes. realize there's a problem yeah. you're already running at a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, he's seeing and, fifteen and, patients a day, and like even with Sonny, he's he's made the decision to move, but he's kind of in limbo between two systems, yeah. and you know you're just trying to fly by the seat of your yeah. pants. And to be fair, this industry has moved at such a rapid pace, and there's so many more people that have joined it. It's 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 kind of like we're still catching up with where we're at in terms of what we can do, the amount of patients that are coming through the clinics now, the number of competitors that there are. It's almost. You know, untenable <laughs> to keep up with the pace at which is everything is moving. Yeah. But I think if anyone listening to this in terms of wanting to start their business or looking at where they should start with their software system, I hope what we've discussed so far in terms of mapping out the patient journey and, and trying to get a vision for where your business ultimately should be going in terms of your goals and aspirations and, and dreams of where you, where you want it to go. Um, it's, it is, it's a real, it is a really difficult one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that there's a lot of software companies listening to this at the moment who are sort of hearing the frustration. I mean, it's particularly, you know, Sonny being so vulnerable about being scared about business and being successful and trying to keep your head above water with patients. It's 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 tough. Yeah. It is really tough. I, I'm mindful of time because I know Sonny yes. has to run off to a busy practice. We've got about 10 minutes and I yep. want to drill down into the things that most injectors aren't thinking about, which yep. is that stuff mm. that Sonny was talking about, the data, the... Um, the back end and and you yeah. know you, you have this conversation yeah. with every mentee that you have about well why why aren't you doing it or or, or, yeah. or or why have you ignored it so can you sort of in a nutshell just explain what we even mean there'll be some people going what the hell what the hell are they talking about what do you mean the back end yeah so the back end of the software is I guess everything that isn't clinical or the things that you're interacting with on a, on a sort of a minute by minute basis in terms of inputting patient notes and data. Mm. So things like your stock, what's coming, what's going, um, doing that regularly because you can use elements within certain software systems to keep control of your stock. They can, you can set things up so that it automatically re reorders stock for you when you fall below a certain level. Mm. 
um, inputting your data correctly so that when you do run reports, the data that, that it is spitting out is relevant and useful for you. So for example, I'll be talking to a, a client around their business and having a look at their software system and looking, okay, well, how much revenue have you generated? Okay, well, we've made this much from injectables and this much from skincare. Okay, let's have a look at injectables. How much of that is toxin versus filler versus biostimulator versus threads or whatever other product you want to talk about? And it's unable to be broken up because they've categorized everything under one revenue stream. Right. So for me, looking at their business, I don't know what's working well and what's not working well because the data is so obtuse mm. that I don't have the ability to dive in and look at it in detail because the more information that someone like me has and hopefully can help other people understand is that when you've got visibility around all these different revenue streams, for example, you can have a look and say, well, my toxin's really down. Why is my toxin down? What's my average dose looking like? Okay, well, maybe I'm underdosing people. Maybe I'm not you know, looking for areas where people actually need additional treatment done. Or maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm not confident with fillers, which is why I'm not talking about it. So a lot of the times, the data that it spits out is only as good as the data that you put in. And a yeah. lot of that comes down to taking the time to get trained properly on how to use a software system and maybe not cramming that extra patient in and giving yourself an extra five or 10 minutes between patients so that you can actually record things properly. Mm. Um, looking at marketing to your clients appropriately because we're so bombarded with so much, everyone's trying to sell you something these days. Every time you look at your phone, there's another message or email that's come through trying to sell you something. So being able to say, let's run a report on every patient that's been in for toxin that's never had a filler treatment before and yeah. actually segmenting that, that, that part of your database and being able to design a campaign specifically for them because there's nothing more annoying than getting a generic marketing message that yeah. isn't relevant to you. Yeah. It's annoying and it makes you feel like the person doesn't know you or doesn't care about you, just another number. Mm. Um, and all that, that all comes down to inputting the data correctly and that's something that a lot of people just don't do very well. And yeah. so they might have the greatest software system but they might not be using it properly which then kind of defeats the purpose of having it in the first place. Yeah. What, what's your experience with that, Sonny? Have you fallen into that trap? I'm a, I mean, uh, that's, that's just a bit of a wow moment because look at the mindset, what I've just been speaking about and what David just said. So I said, what am I looking at in software? I'm looking at, I want to categorize diseases. I want to label patients. I want to use ICD-10. So that's what I'm looking at as a clinician. But as a business owner, I should have, you know, my mindset shift needs to be what David's just saying. Um, you know, how many toxin patients are coming? How many times have I spoken to um, patients who just have toxin that maybe fill a, you know, um, how many times have we marketed or how, how many times have we sent that out? How, where have we categorized on, um, on the base of business? And that's, that's where the mindset shift needs to yeah. come in because we always default to the clinical categories. But just imagine if you, you're, 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 as you're recording, you're going, right, there's my clinical category, and now here's my business category. Yeah. Now, this patient just comes in for Botox. That's the data I want to know, so I have all my Botox patients. And then what can I recommend? You know, all, we, we, both, we all know as practitioners that patients benefit from dermal fillers because it's volume replacement you know, of a certain, at a certain time or point when it's appropriate. But how many times do we then... Um, confident about categorizing that and saying, well, that's what we're going to speak to them about next time. And the, um, and the software prompts us to do that. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the heading for, you know, again, what does, what does CRM stand for? It says customer relationship management. It's, you know, customer relationship management is any tool, strategy or process that helps businesses better organize and access customer data. 
like what what we do as clinicians isn't that i mean yes to an extent it's patient relationship management but not in terms of the custom element i think that's a mindset shift that's needed um and you know it comes with time it's a learning process you know you listen to this podcast you go away and you listen to someone else you read a book Mm. um but that extra 10 minutes at the end of the day to spend on you know just just playing around with with the um with the the bit that's the, the the bit that's not booking patients in and recording data, I think is is a valuable. Yes, yeah, one less patient, or I mean, not everyone has yeah. the ability to do that. If you're not busy enough, then I'm not telling you to cancel patients. But if you're <laughs> if you're busy enough yeah. that you, you don't seem to be able to make the time to do this, and maybe you need to allow an hour or half an hour at the end of the day, or you know, half a day every couple of weeks, where you you know spend time running these reports. And it, there is a crossover, Sunny, between clinical care and the business side. So for example, if you've got a new treatment that's coming in, say that targets next, is that something that's going to be marketed to a 20 year old? Probably not. Who are the people that start to notice crepey necks and that sort of decolletage area, you know, aging, you know, probably your, you know, 40 to 60 year olds. And so maybe you're going to run a campaign or something specifically to those patients. So mm. there is, there is crossover because you want to be able to target people with relevance yeah. And, that, and, you know, you want to make sure that you're educating your patients because you don't have the ability to pick up the phone every day and say, hey, guess what, Jane, we've got this new treatment that's going to be great for someone in your age group. <laughs> First of all, it's uncomfortable potentially. Yeah. And you just don't have the time. Yeah. So people actually appreciate being marketed to thoughtfully and appropriately. Yeah. What, what um, types of marketing do you tend to do through your CRM, Sonny? Um, oh, I've got a cringe. So <laughs> I... The mo- <laughs> So honest answer is that that's why I sw- switched from clinic software because their modules weren't working as well as we wanted them to. Yeah. Columns didn't really have that. It was going to come into development and we were happy to wait for that journey. Pabu have email marketing. So honestly, what we do now is we use something called Active Campaign because it allowed, we, we, we were using MailChimp and these might be terms that some people are familiar with, but this especially in the UK. So we use, um, oh God, we use a CRM kind of, email system, mm-hmm. a bolt-on um, in the business that allows us to send out uh, newsletters every week, um, see who's opening it, see who's interested in it, get feedback. Um, ideally, Pabu will allow us to not have to pay extra for active campaign and we can integrate that in. But you know what? That's come with time and experience. You know, just like um, David said, we, you know, we have one or two less patients. Now I record a video newsletter every week. Yeah. And ideally that will be into our CRM. So it will yeah. all be there and every single patient will get it rather than the ones on the email list, um, yeah. an active campaign. Um, otherwise, God, it's a default, isn't it? For, you know, we, 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 we focus so much on Instagram and Twitter and um, threads and TikTok, mm-hmm. but actually in your clinic, you've probably got a CRM that can actively engage with every single one of your patients who will then come back and have that probably the treatment that you recommend because yeah. they trust you. Or they'll forward it to a friend who thinks that you're great and thinks yeah. that that marketing initiative was fantastic. So that's always your most powerful source of new business is existing patients. And you're right, we focus so much so much outwardly on getting more and more and more and more patients. But, you know, as you said, if you put that time into your software system, you might find that you get a better yield in terms of mm. new patients and income. I want to know what you're recording... And, 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 Sorry, I was going to say, I want to know what you're recording in your newsletter every week. What, what have you got to say to them? And what, I mean, joking aside, do you think that's too frequent, not enough? Because what I find, and, and I rarely send out 
much unless it's, you know, really important news or I've got a new product or there's new law changes. I very consistently find that a number of people unsubscribe immediately. I'm, I'm not even convinced they've read it. They just, <laughs> they just immediately unsubscribe. So I don't want to pound people too frequently. So what are you saying to them that's of value to them? So what? So first of all, when when they when they first started unsubscribing, I took it personally. Yeah, you do, don't you? All do, but then I, <laughs> <laughs> but then but then I realised that that's good because they've made a decision they don't want to listen to it. But those that haven't unsubscribed, they're listening. Yeah. So I talk a lot in clinic, and I'm sure a lot of practitioners do. And I I love educating, and we talk about perimenopause and menopause. You know, all my patients are generally women. I think I have a handful of men um, because we're not in a city; we're in a rural area. You know, all the rufty tufty men in in Rutland don't necessarily come in for treatments <laughs> but um a lot of a lot of what i do in clinic i know adds value because patients come back so in fact i think a, one of the patients told me said why don't you just record it like all these conversations why don't you just record them every week and those that want to listen to it who don't see you every week they're getting that conversation with you yeah and that's it, it it's literally the video newsletter is a conversation so last week we talked about the barbie trend um where you know some people getting botox their trapezius the week before, um, I'd listened to a podcast and there was um, a whole thing about biotin where a huge doses, the supplements we take like biotin, they can interfere with cardiac markers. So, you know, our patient group, some of them are in their 50s, 60s, you know, in women's health um, is done really badly. So women who are going, who had, who are taking lots of biotin for their hair and nails, their troponins were were um, disrupted when they were potentially going in for a heart attack. I mean, that, oh, wow. um, we had a lot of feedback from that. And patients like, oh my God, I've been taking so much biotin. And that's a, you know, that's what it is every week. There's a conversation. And, you know, I'll drop in, for example, that we're doing a treatment on pigmentation. This is, this is what people are interested in this week. This is what people are coming in for. And, you know, we had a few unsubscribers at the beginning, but generally people are opening it and having a look. And it's the stuff that's on trend. You know, I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, reading, and now what I've started doing, jotting it down, I'm like, I'm going to share this with my, with my email list. I'm going to share this with my patients because they're not in every week in clinic. Yeah. And, you know, they can't see... One, one of the things I'll say is that to practitioners out there, whether you're a GP or nurse um, or any other allied healthcare professional, um, you are seeing your patients more often than they're seeing their, their kind of uh, regular care. So how much value can you add and that's where the CRM comes into play. Like how much more value can you deliver that doesn't involve you selling something? And those patients will come back again and again and again because you're engaging with them. And anyway, I think I went off on a tangent. No, I thought that's great. And and we've actually spoken yeah. about maybe doing video consent as well. You know, yeah. rather than yes. reading a boring form, maybe you could speak it and show it and even have some pictures of that's what an occlusion might look like these are the things i want you to look out for when you go home i reckon that would be the way forward and if these crms could help that process then that would be amazing yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i think so well, yeah. active campaign as a crm does allow that you know mailchimp allows that it's just the software companies haven't they haven't focused on getting those kind of really um powerful crms that we're talking about there into our clinic software and if they're listening now you you know you fine I'd, i'm happy to pay because i'm paying 99 pounds a month just for active campaign in addition to what i'm paying 169 or 200 pounds for my crm so i'm fine I, you know cut the cost for me i'm happy to pay that as part of the crm you know they're, they're missing a trick here software companies mm. so. yeah yeah 
Maybe we need to start our own software company, Jay. <laughs> That's in the too hard basket. Not doing that. No. I think I, th- did, I, I thought you'd spoken to Ascari already. So just to summarize, um, I think we've basically said uh, identify, well, I guess your patient journey, but also I guess what type of practice you are. We don't really touch on that, but are you solo? Are you, you know, multi-chain? Do you have different practitioners who have different, I guess, needs? Uh Think about your business and services. What data are you going to want at the end of the year or end of the month? Um, and and try to marry the marry those. And then, you know, doing Sunny's sort of homework thing where you actually go away and look, play, uh, speak to people using the the system. And if all of that is sort of ticking the boxes, then yep. maybe maybe that's the right system for you. But there isn't one system. It depends on on those needs. Yeah. And the irony is the busier and more successful you become, the more critical your software system is going to be. Yeah. So if you're growing your practice, multiple providers, lots of patients, multiple rooms, you're going to need it more and more and more. So it's 100%. kind of, yeah. um, I've just realized that we can do a second episode with you, Sunny, on the perimenopausal patient because you seem like you're, I, I, you're the I, I, expert. I would, love, I would love to. I would love to. I'm, I, I'm, um, yeah, I would love to. I was going to say, I'm not an expert, but I'm getting there. But the funny thing is in women's health is that no one's an expert because um, if you look at, if you look at the research and evidence base, it's all based on um, men. Oh, really? uh, Interesting. Yeah. Well, if you, if you start to dig in, you know, for example, like uh, cardiac markers in um, measuring troponins, the ranges, if you look at the evidence base, it's all based on men. So women are, women are, um, when they're going in with symptoms of heart attack, their troponins are normal getting sent away anyway that's that's time for that's one for another podcast wow wow interesting well thank you buddy um hopefully the audio is okay we, we did get people sitting in the breakfast bar sort of ordering their muffins <laughs> in and the background tea. ordering their tea and muffins <laughs> and whatever so sorry about that if we if yeah apologies no. i'm more than happy to re-record no no, no. Uh, our, our, our andy our sound venue, engineer so. will, will, will make this good but um, have a good day and um, enjoy your is it a gp practice today or injecting private GP today medical screening um, okay. so learning I'm, I'm learning the ropes there so I can bring it to clinic basically so uh, right. these are the things you do to add value to what you do in aesthetics so. yeah fantastic thanks so much lovely to meet you and thanks for being yeah, such an active participant well, in our WhatsApp. yeah yeah we'll see you in the whatsapp soon definitely definitely right, have buddy. a great day guys or thanks evening. sunny Take you. Thanks, bye. okay for our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.